Welcome to CollegeCast for pharmacy practice news, views and updates brought to you by the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. Join us to find out about tips and tools for immediate benefit to your practice and learn about current practice topics and innovations driving the future of pharmacy. Welcome to this episode of CollegeCast. Today we have Ravi Sharma with us. Ravi is the Director for England of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society and he joined the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in November 2018. He has held previous roles as the National Clinical Lead for Clinical Pharmacy and Genomics at NHS England and as the Vice President of the Primary Care Pharmacy Association. Ravi also continues to work as a prescribing pharmacist in a GP practice on a weekly basis. More recently, Ravi received a scholarship by the NHS to complete a Master's in Genomic Medicines at Imperial College London and has just been awarded the Fellowship by the Faculty of UK Clinical Informatics. Bit of a change in tack now, yeah. slight change in direction. Let's talk about you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably fair to say you're, you're seen as, as a leader in the pharmacy sector in, in England. Kind. Not everyone will agree with that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Well, um, I'll throw it back to when I was a, a youthful teenager, maybe, and that might give a bit of context. Um, I wasn't the most academically savvy individual as a teenager. I was in sort of the wrong crowd. Um, I wasn't doing particularly well at school, but uh, um, I've had some prominent features and mentors in my life. And one of those is, is my mother, who has given me a very straight and straight-talking advice throughout my years. And uh, there was a moment at A-level where it really changed my perspective on the world. And uh, I wanted to become a pharmacist very early on at the age of 15, 16. And uh, that, my, my passion through that drove when I, went to the when I went to university to study a master's in pharmacy. And I studied at um, the London School of Pharmacy, which is now known as UCL School of Pharmacy in particular. And thoroughly enjoyed it. Great, great school to work at and fantastic lecturers and, and academics there that really supported the growth of many people who are who are trying to become farmers as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, qualified in, in, in uh, got my master's in 2011 and then went into my pre-registration year in a small chain of independent community pharmacies in East London and I was, it was a great community pharmacy to work in, um, very clinically focused community pharmacy and utilising the skills of pharmacy technicians and pharmacy staff within those community pharmacy very well to enable the pharmacists to do the real clinical intervention mm. stuff which was great to see and they did great services such as anticoagulation, they did point of contact testing, they were doing enhanced medication usage reviews and, and new medicine service type stuff and it was fantastic to see I learned a lot there, um, but also learned a lot about the commercialism of healthcare uh, within that within those chains because I was working quite closely with their head office around how to drive revenue streams and, and how to deliver service more effectively um, across a large a large population. Um, after I got my uh, qualification in 2012, I then went to go and work in a, in the community in a, in a community pharmacy, other community pharmacy chain, and was a relief pharmacist. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. I got made redundant after a couple of months there, um, and I was you know really on short of cash, uh, being newly qualified, and I ended up uh, in, a, in, a, in a bit of in a bit of a pickle, I must admit. Um, anyway, as the story goes on, my mother came back into the picture and said to me, you know. Uh, you need to get yourself out there and go to this, um, she read a leaflet on a conference type thing around healthcare and I dragged myself to it and there was a GP there talking about how pharmacists could transform healthcare and I put my hand up saying what do you mean by that um, and um, he ended up giving me his business card and I dropped him an email literally five minutes after he gave me that card saying let's meet up and have a conversation and next thing you know the week after I was in his office for an interview around what pharmacists could do working in integrated care 
Um, I was then tasked by him for a month to scope out the role of a pharmacist working in general practice. And um, people who know me quite well know I get ants in my pants quite quickly. And I, uh, I ended up writing a whole list of job descriptions, protocols of how pharmacists work safely and effectively based upon the business model of general practice, um, because I was really keen to ensure the sustainability of these integrated roles. And I presented this um, idea to their board of directors. And I was all of 23 then, um, and never presented in my life to anyone apart from the academics at the School of Pharmacy and around a table of financial directors and stuff around how pharmacists could transform healthcare. And we received a small bit of money, about £75,000, to go and in, in, integrate a pharmacist prescriber working in, in, in general practice. And I was keen on evaluating some of the outcome measures that those pharmacists were doing. And over a six-month period, I man measured it and then re represented to the board and said, look, if you did this at scale, these are the potential benefits you could get. And lo and behold, I was given half a million pounds to extrapolate it across 10 practices. Um, and I was, a, I was, like I said, very young. I never had more than a few grand in my bank account, let alone half a billion pounds to go in and deliver this model it's at scale. Say, um, a lot of responsibility for a 23 year old. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. It was uh, I wasn't, wasn't ready for it. And uh, built in six pharmacists working in, in prescribing services in general practice. And then I developed a model to have newly qualified pharmacists working in general practice part of the education and training mentorship program to enable them to work in general practice. And I made all of those pharmacists prescribers. Uh, again, the anti-my-pants situation occurred again where then I developed pre-registration pharmacists working in general practice with my colleagues at Health Education England as a small-scale study. And we were able to try and develop a career pathway. Um, we developed that model and then I worked with the Royal Pharmaceutical Society quite closely on some policy transformation as well as the Royal College of GPs and the British Medical Association around delivering this at scale. And um, sooner or later we are around with the Department of Health and, and, and key providers within the NHS around how we can make this work and a lot of the work that we now see now has gone into the formation of pharmacists and integrated roles working in general practice care and urgent care in particular. And um, since then, we then got employed by the NHS to go and deliver the programme, in particular at scale. Um, did that for about three and a half years, and then now I'm at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society as the director for England there. And still, despite all this, I still practice clinically. So on a weekly basis, I'm still in general practice on the front line, seeing anywhere up to 40 patients on a day-to-day -day basis. So keeping in touch with the front line, it's really important for me. Um, but that's what I love. And that's why I've learnt my bread and butter is to um, go and deliver person-centred care and uh, I'll, I'll hope to continue doing that throughout the whole of my career going forward. Great. Inspiring story, Cheers. Ravi, <laughs> for, for what is still a, a relatively short career yeah. so far, right? Now you mentioned that you are still working in, um, in a clinical role on, yes. on a weekly basis and yeah. you are a prescribing pharmacist yes. uh, working at a um, general practice. How did this particular role come about? Oh, um, again, a little bit about the history behind it was that I got asked to do some of this scoping work out in, in, as well. There's been a number of issues in England in particular. Well, not issues. I think stuff that has enabled pharmacists to be recognised by the NHS as real you know, person-centred holistic clinicians. There's been some workforce issues, particularly around the medical workforce and nursing workforce. And you know, GPs are realising that we need to diversify the multidisciplinary team way of working to enable the true potential of general practice and primary care to be delivered. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of this was that I was able to scope it out a little bit more and I thought, you know, if I delve straight into this, I could do some really good stuff. And mm -hmm. so when I scoped out the role, I think I wanted to do lots of patient-facing clinical stuff, but I understood that sometimes general practice is not always patient-facing clinical. Um, so on a day-to-day -day basis, what I'll end up doing is so I'm in a GP surgery ex in a consultation room exactly like a doctor and nurse. I'm involved in no dispensing whatsoever and I'm an I'm I'm independent 
autonomous prescriber. Um, my patient-facing roles will involve long-term condition management, so being able to monitor, review patients with long-term conditions, but also screen patients that are at risk of developing long-term conditions as well, and educating patients about their, their medicines uh, and about their conditions equally. I do, me and my team all do clinical medication reviews in general practice, so instantaneously you see how that improves access um, to, to appointments within the GP surgery, but optimises the workload within general practice. And patients really like it that they're able to see an expert around medicines. And being a prescriber, I'm able to titrate medicines up and down, stop de-prescribed medicines where they're no longer appropriate to do so, making shared decisions with the multidisciplinary team, of course, mm -hmm. as well as patients, families and their carers. Um, I'm also able to do home visits, so patients who are unable to get to the GP surgery, um, particularly if you're thinking about our COPD patients in winter or our elderly populations, and able to go and see what they're like in their own environment, understand their social healthcare needs mm. as well as their general healthcare needs, and sort of bridge the gap between health and social care quite well. But also, you know, sharing that information with my GP colleagues, nursing colleagues, paramedic colleagues, um, and, and anyone else in the wider dis disciplinary team that we need to involve. Um, um, do lots around quality improvement and medicines optimization in general practice, streamlining repeat prescribing process, improving medicine safety in particular, really involved in medicine safety quality improvement clinical audits, so stuff like reducing the risk of hyperglycemia in type 1 and type 2 diabetic patients, um, make sure inhalers are being utilised properly within the within general practice landscape, but also educating staff. You know, I train now a pre-reg pharmacist, nursing train, nursery trainee and doctor trainees as well, and actually we have this co-created interprofessional learning platform within um, general practice, which is great because I'm learning on a day-to-day -day basis and so are my doctor colleagues and, and nursing colleagues, for instance. And so that lifelong learning within your own clinical practice is fantastic. Um, and then obviously contributing to research and, and as, as well within these settings and also supporting some of our most vulnerable populations, such as mental health and those with learning disabilities as well. We've done some good work and, and, and evaluative work around some of those areas as well. Seems like a, a truly collaborative environment that you're working in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just within the GP practice team, I suppose. It's also working with community pharmacy and hospital pharmacy in a much more strategic and much more clinically effective way, mm. bringing community pharmacy into the general practice so mm. we're not isolated in ours as well, but also working really closely with hospital pharmacy teams. As I went back earlier, they've got some incredible experts in, in hospital, from specialist pharmacists to medicines information pharmacists mm. who, improve, who provide valuable insight on how to manage our patients more effectively in primary care. So, you know, those untapped resources, bringing them into the fold, mm. I think will only help improve patient care and safety going forward. As I mentioned before, I mean, you're, you're still pretty early on in, in your career. Still, still <laughs> relatively, young, young yeah. <laughs> relatively young Relatively young pharmacist. Seven years, so you've, yeah. you've been qualified. And you have done so much in that time. And Thank as you. you know, in New Zealand, we've got a, a very young profession. Mm. So what advice would you give our pharmacists who are considering working in new roles, um, new services, yeah. or even moving into more leadership or yeah. senior roles? So I suppose we've had the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand's conference this weekend, and uh, I spoke to a number of pharmacists there, and particularly early careers pharmacists, what we define as early careers pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And what was inspiring to me was the level of passion and energy of those early careers pharmacists to change, transform, to prescribe, to work in an integrated fashion. So already, they're already on a journey of great success by being able to talk the language that people want to hear, and most importantly, with the heart of the patient at the center of everything that they're doing. And, and that drive and enthusiasm is unique in itself because I think those are the future leaders or our current
current leaders, particularly if there's a couple around the board already, mm. who are will bring around the transformational changes that's needed and bring around a change perspective that may not be currently seen within our pharmacy leadership circles. And that goes beyond New Zealand, that goes beyond you know United Kingdom as well. They bring a different perspective on how to deliver care. I think that in itself is an incredible feature for from from the from the New Zealand landscape. Um, from my perspective, recommendations, oh that's an interesting one. I, I, I always think if I was to give some words of advice, explore and take every opportunity as it comes. Um, whether you might have 20 doors in front of you and 19 of them say no, there'll be one that says maybe or let's try it. Mm. Go for that. You know, don't ever think to yourself that one no is the be all and end all of your continual professional development or your career within pharmacy. I have received many no's and many doors that I just do not that just do not open. Force them open, try your best, persevere and you know make sure you go forth and deliver the few, true potential of the profession regardless of other people may not be wanting to change. I think mm. that's the first thing. I think be able to advocate for on the behalf of the profession and its unique contributions as well um, and, and get other people outside of the pharmacy world on your side um, where we've had some great successes by working very closely with our medical and nursing colleagues within the United Kingdom and broadening your network horizon beyond pharmacy practice go out to events and conferences that are not pharmacy isolated silo conferences get your cards ready talk to people about how transformative care can, can, can deliver but especially within a devolved society of commissioning Go and talk to people that you're not traditionally used to. Go and talk to chief execs of uh, organisations that can go and influence how integrated healthcare can be delivered, not just the government or IMPs equally as well. Um, and I always think to yourself, well, as an early careers pharmacist, it's always important to practice clinically still. Always keep your hand in what it means to be a true clinician on front line because you're able to talk a language that's different to what other people will. Um, you're not just too policy focused or too engagement focused. Actually, you bring that realism to your conversation. Conversations. I think that's really much taken on board. I compare pharmacy leaders to our medical and nursing leaders who still practice all clinically, mm. at least on a weekly basis. And I think that's really important to maintain as well. And most importantly, um, don't be scared of failure. You know, I think that's a really important thing as well. Um, you know, I've had many things that don't work out. I don't give up. I learn from them and I, I continue to try and strive to be better. No one will ever be perfect in this world, even at the end of your career. And I think if you get comfortable and complacent in that nature that you think you're perfect, you're likely to fail more. And I think, you know, those control failures provide lots of great learning and how you develop as an individual, but also how you take those learnings and develop a healthcare system that's truly person-centred. Thank you very much, Ravi. Great insight. Thank you. Great advice for some of the pharmacists that are out there. Cheers. And thank you for coming all the way from the UK oh, to no. New Zealand Thank you very for, much for our conference <laughs> over the weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks Appreciate very much. CollegeCast is brought to you by Sharina Bassan from the College Education and Training Business Unit of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. All views of our guests in these episodes are their own.